This is the Powered Up Podcast, show 27. Welcome to a real-world education with insight and advice from teachers in the game, where current and former educators reveal what truly sets apart the great teachers and what it takes to make a positive impact on students. Whether you're in pre-service learning, new to the game, or a seasoned veteran, this is the show for you. You'll leave feeling inspired to take action because we are powering education by empowering you. going on everyone this is kenderman host of the powered up podcast and i am here with my co-host mr matt don't check my lesson plans rogers matt how's summer treating you summer is good summer this year is a lot different than summer last year summer last year i feel like we didn't actually get to step away we were sitting by our phones or by our emails waiting to hear what school would look like and knowing that we survived this year and and made it through and got to the point where we taught as much of a normal year as we possibly could the only thing that i can hope for and, and plan for is even more back to normal is is the goal so um summer's wonderful i i needed this time to recharge that's for sure um how are you doing bud you're probably pretty busy right about now i would say so summer is uh has always been maximized family time for me. Um, and now my family time is is split by thirds instead of halves with, with the children. Uh, we got another baby that arrived uh, at the beginning of the summer. So uh, I'll go with busy, the busy or tired. Pit, take, take your choice uh, on that one. So uh, tonight's episode is a little bit different. Um, so full disclosure, when Matt and I first uh, started to brainstorm this podcast. It, it started with me coming to Matt saying, I really want to do a podcast. And we brainstormed ideas. We brainstormed what we wanted to look like. And it always circled around. We just wanted authentic off the cuff conversation with educators. And we've really held true to that. And, and, you know, Matt and I still have a lot that we want to do and, and grow and become better at it. But this episode was recorded before we had a name before we knew exactly what it was going to be. And it was it was proof of concept. It was Matt and I getting comfortable with each other, Matt and I getting comfortable, you know, talking to a camera, talking with our, you know, with our concepts and our ideas and, and really going in that mindset before we had any guests on and, and before we really had a show outlined. And so, we recorded on concepts that we knew were important, uh, this one being lesson plans, uh, Matt's favorite topic by far. And and so we rolled with it. And so we had it, and then the guests started rolling, and this kind of just fell to the wayside. And so we, we met and discussed, like, do we want to use this podcast? Because I do think the conversation is, is worthwhile. I do think we dive deep into lesson plans, which isn't the most thrilling topic, but we we talk about the importance of it, uh, how to adjust what your lesson plans look like compared to how you're teaching. But we ultimately didn't want to throw it away because it was part of our learning experience. And that's what teaching is. Teaching is 
learning as you go. It is learning with your students and year after year building upon that craft. So on that theme, Matt, what is something that you rolled out that you knew was important, that you've continued to use, but it did not go so hot or, or perfectly smooth the first time that you did it? Um, an area where I've, I've made tremendous growth is the concept of using an LMS to, I would hardly say it's full potential, but maximizing the potential that I think my fourth graders can handle. Um, where they're submitting, they're responding, they're discussing, they're accessing, they're getting their grades, they're just doing everything through that system. Um, and I remember early on, I actually had a sub day and I threw a ton of links and comments and what have you up there and I wrote a sub plan of like, hey, I think everything's pretty much in there. If you just have them log into Schoology for ELA, they'll just go through these things. Um, and I got a message from my principal midway through the day saying, your kids have completed all of your work. Do you have anything else they'd want to do? And so I paused <laughs> what I was doing and went and saw what they did. And what they did was they clicked on everything to make it seem like it had been completed. But uh, the way the setting I had it as was they didn't have to complete or submit or it wasn't based off quality. So one kid figured out if they just click through, it'll give them the green check mark, say the progress bar is done and they're off and, and doing who knows what. Um, but I, I realized in that moment that just handing over these tools that people tell us are powerful or even that we view as powerful, um, there's so much to teaching and there's so much for instruction towards handling, whether it's technology or really anything. I remember learning how valuable it is to teach a kid to independently read. And it's in short 30 seconds. Hey, you're gonna really just concentrate on 30 seconds and then build that to a minute and then build it to two minutes. Same thing with a video. When you're watching a video for entertainment, you watch it totally different than if you're watching it for instruction. And so those concepts of just basic systems that you're like, oh, I have all the materials there for kids. Well, kids are gonna be kids and they're gonna find the most direct pathway um, without creating the appropriate safeguards that now uh, with the beautiful tools like Edpuzzle or um, embedded um, quizzing features or discussions into the activities that you can pause, have them process if they don't understand the question because they weren't listening to the audio or the video, they can revert back. Um, that legitimately at this point, and I feel like they're functional, my sub plans are practically not written. I just build a folder in my Schoology course and they manage all their materials. And on my phone, I can see pretty quickly if they're doing it with validity. Honestly, if they're submitting at a time frame that they should be submitting it, all those type features that, again, I feel like is not me giving them busy work. They can actually be productive during that time. Absolutely, I, I think that's great. And, and like you said, it didn't go well, but 
you saw proof of concept of okay these green check marks in the student completion portion of schoology they do work as long as i set the parameters of you know submitting or what have you instead of just seeing it and so that that minor tweak made it incredibly much more effective um, and, and you get that from taking risks and trying things and seeing how it goes and just giving yourself the opportunity to one make the mistake and, and two make sure you reflect on it and not just say it didn't work i'm not doing it again um you know i i i had a lot of situations where things did not go well but it it showed a glimmer of of what it could be and i think one of the areas that i most commonly fell into that was when i had an idea for a new project or a new unit or even just a new style of lesson and just saying to the kids i had this idea you know i i think i mentioned this in in show three with Rhett. this this concept like i have this idea i want to try it you might be the only class that ever does it if it is a total you know if it's a total failure flop but yeah. Yeah, a total flop. But knowing what is my goal and evaluating the, the the process towards that goal to know, does it just need some fine tuning? Does it need more direction, less direction, and, and, and kind of working towards that? And also, you know, the same concept with testing out tools. So I mentioned in the show that everybody's about to watch or listen to, it was proof of concept just in, in our relationship across the mic. But we were also figuring out what do we want to record with? What do we want to edit with? And, you know, I went through iMovie, which is a fantastic program, but we don't use that anymore. It didn't do what we needed. We used WeVideo for a while, which is a phenomenal classroom tool, but it was not doing what we needed. And now we're using Riverside, which is a podcast recording platform. And I use Final Cut Pro. And both of those require money. They do. They require to be paid for. And you know, there are times where you'll find in your classroom that you 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 need to, or your school district or your principal, you do need to pay for some tools that you will use on a consistent basis. But like Nearpod is something that I think if if your district is paying for it, there's a ton of value that you can get out of it. But I used it somewhat frequently that just the free version was enough for me, but I saw the value in the paid version for others. And so, you know, when you're evaluating tools, you know, start simple and, and maybe start with the one that's not perfect to find, is it something you're going to use on a, on a consistent basis? So in, in terms of the show that we're about to jump into, if you're watching it, you'll definitely see a big difference in the way we edited the video and the way we compiled it together. The audio, I think the audio, you won't hear as much of a difference um, except maybe Matt and I saying um a few more times. Uh, hopefully it's less than what we do now. But uh, regardless, we really dive deep in the lesson plans and I think we really break apart uh, a lot of important pieces to it and how to approach lesson plans from maybe a, a perspective of less stress to match, match your teaching style. Matt, do you wanna throw anything else out there about lesson plans before yeah. we jump in? And I think, uh, so Ken and I have a little disagreement in the uh, episode. Um, I think a really important thing is... Is this the to... episode where you concede to me? Thanks for bringing that up. Um, I agree with some of the points. We'll say 
the slight majority of the points that you make. <laughs> um, but I think that the key behind it becomes it's situational, like so much things, so many things in education where, hey, the strategy didn't work or I had this lesson plan format and the three page version for a half an hour lesson that you had to do in college is not realistic. But how do you find that right balance is what we look for. Um, and, and it's a, a true, honest conversation of our feelings on a topic. Um, as someone that feels at this point that lesson plans in their supervision version are a little out of place, um, but recognizing why there's value in, in having them still there. Um, but all that to say, it's a fun episode. It's, it was fun to watch back and, and, and see how far we've come. So we're, we're excited for you to, to participate in this one. And if you happen to listen at a 1.5 or two, two times the speed to get through it with a less discomfort of the quality, totally fine by that as well. Absolutely. So uh, without any further delay, let's jump into that deep dive on lesson plans. So Matt, hope you had a good day today. What was your what was your best part of the of your day in the classroom today? Man, best part of the day today. So um, we are nearing the end of a semester right now, and I think um, it's one of those times where right all of the effort throughout your different units. Um, if you've planned them correctly are kind of coming to an end. Mm -hmm. We're finishing a math unit. We're finishing a science unit. We're switching stories for ELA. Um, and I think it's one of those things that like you always have your, your worries of, do they actually get the big picture mm -hmm. midway through? I know like using science as an example, you kind of teach a part and a part and a part about two thirds or three quarters of the way you try to pull all of those together. Like we were doing weather. I think we've talked about before we taught all the different weather tools and then we're starting to talk about forecasting. How are you using all those tools to understand and then getting into bigger storms and trying to identify what makes that storm on a radar different? Like it, there's just definitely the, the benefit of them having all the context to have actual academic conversations, which is just super, super cool. And then it's all backed up to a deadline of make sure everything's done so it can get onto a report card. The joys of report cards. That ought to be oh, another man. episode. Well, yeah, absolutely. Especially standards-based versus mastery-based by all right. means. So thank How about you? How was... Uh, before we go, how, how was your day? What about you in um, the secondary so world? So uh, cool mo I spent my entire day in one building um, today, which I try to rotate on a weekly basis to, to be in one building for the full day for a week, um, just to make myself as available as possible. And a teacher asked me for something very specific in Zoom for help. And she was telling me about the lesson that she had coming up. And she was going to be watching the outsiders after they finished reading it to kind of do some compare and contrast with the movie and the book. Um, and so she was talking about her, her plan for the students responding because she is teaching in a blended classroom um, during the, the time of the joys of COVID. 
and yep. I showed her how you can um, use the master slides in Google Slides, which I think is probably one of the most underrated tools out there and how Absolutely. she could create just a simple response form for the students to use. And um, because she likes to just pause the movie kind of, you know, naturally just tapping into her content expertise and just starting conversations and asking questions. And so I showed her how she could make it the only um, template option in slides. So if the kids hit mm. the plus, it gives them just another essentially worksheet to type the question and the response. And she was blown away by it. And the great thing is it's going to make her lesson much more efficient. And that's something that I think technology is not always utilized for. Um, a lot of times it can be more bells and whistles. And efficiency is one of the biggest reasons we should use technology. And, and as I left her room, she she just said, you know, thanks for, thanks for the tip. I wasn't expecting to, to um, you know, learn a new, a new skill or strategy when you came up to help me. So... So that was fun. I'm excited that her lesson will flow more efficiently where technology won't be a resistance, but it'll just be mm -hmm. a piece that really isn't even important to the lesson, but it, it really is kind of behind the scenes, if that makes sense. Well, I know uh, even talking in flipped classroom or a lot of these, uh, the, the reason why something like Edpuzzle is so beneficial is because it takes an item like a video or instructional opportunity and provides safeguards for the learners to make sure they're actually engaged in what's going on. And I think that's a huge thing that's, um, as we recognize, I know we've had many conversations about how do we optimize these opportunities. And I think master slides, if you, if you are not familiar in even with my fourth graders, the limited options are usually the best benefit. Mm -hmm. Hey, this is what I want you to fill out. I've created this master slide that you're going to repeat over and over again. And you need to include all the portions, kind of like a virtual version of guided notes. Yeah, so, it's a it's a great yeah, it's I, a it's a graphic organizer tool um, that you're you're setting up the graphic organizer for the students to interact with. Um, so it's, yeah. it's definitely a huge benefit. So kind of along these, along these same topics, let's talk about lesson plans tonight, Matt. And I'm just going to oh, throw man. it to you. What is your approach as a veteran teacher? We've, we've classified before that you're in the veteran status now. Um, what is your approach to lesson planning? So I have a lot of feelings about this one. This is a, a topic that when Ken and I were discussing, um, doing this podcast to begin with. This is something that I wanted to make a high priority. And, and part of this might be, Ken, I know you have some uh, experience in more of the administrative side of things, so please chime in. Um, but I really struggle with modern day lesson plans. So the traditional EATS uh, lesson plan format of LFS, if you're not familiar, learning for focused schools, um, the idea of setting your purpose ahead of time, kind of creating engagement, and then what is that actual acquisition of learning? Um, and then you end up with kind of your prove-its, right? And I think like dancing, this is the example I will use. Like I'm dancing. For this analogy. I, I know. Uh, we'll see how it goes. I can sit here and I can 
interact or, or uh, replicate a move, but it doesn't make that move look good. If I am forcing something to happen, then uh, it really doesn't translate a lot of times to actually looking how I want it to. Realistically, what it is is taking that general move and recognizing how my body naturally flows and incorporating it. Um, another analogy is like uh, a quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles that's going through a tough time right now, right? Forcing the ball um, is we're almost overthinking certain things and that's causing our focus to not be on taking in all the information for football what the defense is doing, but really in the classroom, how are the learners responding to that engagement? How are they learning um, and displaying that learning? And are you creating opportunities that allow the learners to um, show their creativity, show their depth of knowledge, those type things, if you're so focused on going through this lesson plan? And so I will admit, and hopefully, uh, my advisors are not watching. I absolutely despise lesson plans at a certain point. Um, well, this is really going to be fun down. because this might surprise you, but I share quite the opposite opinion. Oh, man. Well, I guess I, I think one of the, the biggest exchanges, and then I'd love to hear your, your perspective on things. I have no problem. I remember sitting in my interview to get my job and talking about the way the lesson plan is to look at your assessment and back map how you're going to take your intake and lead that to success. I get that whole concept and early teaching, there is a lot of effort towards that. But there is a epidemic going on. This is a self-proclaimed epidemic of curriculum being driven by big companies that have translated curriculum into robotic and um, literally word for word given curriculum. Pro Not programs a concept. becoming lesson plans. Well, yeah, it's just, yep. it's. I don't even need to have a teaching degree to see this lesson go from beginning to end and the the teacher creativity i know we love ken robinson and what he stands for and what he stood for um, about incorporating creativity your your learning opportunities come through that in exchange between learner and facilitator mm -hmm. um and i just i really struggle with the idea of lesson plans that are scripted from beginning to end and um, but also the same mindset of if you're going to hand me and, and say that that's the program we're going with, then I'm going to teach it to full fidelity. Just don't expect me to deviate um, because that's what you chose. Right. right. So I have other things to say, but I'll let you kind of jump in with your, no, I can, your you perspective. Know, I, I think we're going to be aligned on a lot of it. Um, but I would say that, you know, um, you mentioned my administrative perspective. So, you know, just to clarify for our audience, I am not an administrator, but I am certified, um, you know, 
with a with a master's through that program. Um, perhaps one day I will be a principal. I I go through phases. In in May I have an itch and a desire to be a, a building leader, and then in August I think, why would I ever want to work in the summer? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I digress. So, you know, I should I should add before you get into this. I took one administrative course <laughs> and I stopped my program. So. Yes, very true. Um, so, you know, I think I think lesson plans are incredibly important for for educators. And, you know, I think you hit on a lot of key components of, you know, hindering creativity, the programs that um, are out there. I know my district in particular, we've gone through a decent number of programs since I started there. And I, I think under our leadership, our current leadership, we've really landed on high quality programs that I think provide the teachers the opportunity to facilitate really effective lessons. Um, but like you said, you know, when you, when you have to f facilitate to fidelity, it really eliminates that opportunity to be creative, to adjust to the learners in front of you. Um, but on the flip side, I understand why they want you to facilitate to fidelity because these programs are are research based, um, and I think it's really important that teachers understand that you you start with fidelity, and then you you hopefully have the opportunity to say, all right, these you know this ninety percent or this eighty five percent, this is really key. We have to make sure that we maintain this um, because that's what the program's built on. But how can I modify? How can I how can I adjust? Um, you know, and, and for me, I, I would say when I was in, when I was in the classroom for teaching fifth grade, that most of my effort was in regards to quote unquote lesson planning. Now I can tell you for probably the last seven years in that position, I did not have one traditional lesson plan written anywhere. Um, but one, my administrator trusted, you know, that I was doing a good job and he, he didn't hawk over that kind of stuff if you were delivering an effective class, but two, you know, if, if I was ever questioned, I had plenty to fall back on because I was, my lesson plans were designing what each student was going to engage in that day and, and how they were going to be engaging in the content, um, and, and what my role was during that time period. And, you know, Matt, you always like to tease me about this and some of our other, our teacher friends that, um, that I don't do anything when, when I'm teaching. The kids are the ones that Nothing do everything at all. And, and they probably write my lesson plans for me. Um, but I, I would tell my students multiple times throughout the year and very early on that when they're in the classroom and we're all together, that I'm going to be the least hardworking person, but I will work a hundred times harder when they're not in the room. I wanted them to give me full effort while they were with me. And my job was to facilitate. My job was to support. I had very high expectations and I provided a very high level of support, but I really worked hard when they weren't there because I wanted to come up with productive ways for them to engage in the instruction and, and think about the content, kind of like you were talking you know, to start today off with you know, the culminating of, of your science unit, that stuff is, is so important. And I really try to find ways to incorporate that throughout the unit and not wait for the end. Um, and so, you know, I think there, I have a few components that I think are really important 
when you're lesson planning. And it really depends on, on the phases going on. So we talked about the program. If you're implementing a new program or a new curriculum or a combination of the two is really what it should be because programs aren't curriculum and, and good curriculum needs a, a good program to support it. Um, you know, if you're in the early stages of that phase, your lessons might be slightly less creative. Um, but if you're you're in a program for a year or two and you have a little bit more flexibility, but on the same time, it's a phase of a teacher. If you're teaching and it doesn't even necessarily have to do with how long you've been teaching, if you're teaching a new grade level in the elementary world or in the secondary world, you're now teaching... Um, you know, you're teaching geometry after coming off of 10 years of algebra. Well, you know the content, you you know the skills, but you don't know where everybody's going to get hung up. You don't know what that lesson is that's supposed to be one day that's really going to take you two and a half because it's just confusing and the kids need more time. And so if you're in those early phases, whether it's early in your career or early in something new, Lesson planning has to be, I would say, a little bit more towards the traditional look of, you know, that that each structure that you talked about or, or whatever structure you're using. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you're in the more veteran status of comfort level and, you know, when I was in year three, year five of, of teaching fifth grade, you could name any unit, any skill and put a kid in front of me that I'd never talked to before and I could teach him that skill. I could teach them that mm. that mini part of the of the unit because I was I was really comfortable with the content, and so my time wasn't spent on thinking about how do I teach the skill. My time was spent on how do I design a day to make the most of the learning experience for the students. And so my lesson plan and my components were completely different. So yeah. Matt, if you had to identify two or three or or however many key components of a lesson that you want to think about. So let's put the programs to the side. You have, you have full reign. You get to do whatever you want in your class. You just have standards you have to teach. What are those key components that, that you're thinking about when you're trying to plan that best lesson for your kids? Yeah. So I think I'll answer this question as almost a rebuttal to what you brought up. I think um, first off, if this was a podcast solely directed towards new teachers, my answer would be different mm-hmm. because I think new teachers and for a first few years benefit from having access to lesson plans and going through, it's almost the, the building of stamina because at first it's the effort of building lesson plans, which translates to building materials, which translates to understanding curriculum. You almost have to dive so deep into it to just understand how it's related. But to answer your question, I wish there was more emphasis on scope and sequence and less emphasis on daily. Because in my my feelings are that I wish I knew, kind of like our, our I'll use the weather example, If I am just looking today at teaching barometer, then I'm not tapping into the resources yesterday. And I don't know how I'm going to lead in to tomorrow's lesson or five days from now when 
barometer is just one weather tool in a forecast. Now, I may say that's my favorite uh, weather tool for prediction, which I have to point out, we, uh, we Skyped with a friend of mine who's a meteorologist. He said his favorite weather tool is observation. He made me look ridiculous in front of my kids because I kept on saying barometer was the best one. I'll lose that that uh, that uh, battle. Well, but meteorologists, I, think, I mean, they're wrong 50% of the time. Anyway, yeah. So I'm assuming that translates exactly. to all scopes of life for them. Absolutely. But it, like when, when kind of considering that, I think if scopes and sequences were written in a more friendly way in these programs, then I think that that would be the best use of a new teacher's So you time. think it's really important the, that that everybody involved knows not only the, the small picture, but the big picture of of the unit and the concepts. Now, well, and, and let me just also kind of say as a new teacher, I, I was listening, not living day by day, I was living lesson by lesson. Uh, I didn't necessarily have the ability or the, the mental capacity to focus beyond that. I just need to survive. Oh, I have three elements of this math lesson that I have to get through. So I, I, I get that there's value there, but I have had new teachers brand new teachers join my staff and I have taken a Google folder and I've added them to my Google folder. And I said, here is every lesson that you will teach all year long. In my opinion, I wish lesson plans could be proof of materials because my slideshow or the discussion question I ask in Schoology or the culminating project represents a beautiful lesson plan, but I teach in an area that my school luckily does not uh, emphasize lesson plans uh, with high significance. There's a lot of trust, but I have friends in neighboring school districts that have to have six days forward of lesson plans written and if they're not, then they are reprimanded. And in my head, I just feel like that is an old school mentality that I know we've heard about before. But the whole concept is, A, trust your teachers. That's exactly what you said earlier. B, trust your person who's choosing curriculum, right? Mm -hmm. If they are vetting all the resources and deciding this is the best thing for our district, and honestly, maybe it's the thing that we can afford, but that's the choice I made and I provided training on that. Those are where, like, I never want to be the cause of a curriculum fallout. Right. I think that's the point that I would right. make. So I want to I want to kind of circle back to something you said. So you said lesson plans should be more of of proof of materials. And I want to make sure I'm understanding you correct, because I'm pretty sure I agree with you, that you want teachers to, you know, if you have if you have your materials that are clearly going to guide the the course of instruction and the course of learning for that day, you don't necessarily need an agenda of your agenda part of the lesson plan of here's first, here's second, here's third. Is that what you meant by proof yeah. of materials? Absolutely. And I think we are, 
regardless of when you listen to this episode, we are in a new phase of education post-corona world where we are either hybrid or completely virtual. And I think there is so much effort going to be placed in the future of narrowing down the resources we use. Right. That that takes so much time and expertise and previewing and considering that the old school lesson plans, in my opinion, are valuable three times a year. Yeah. And, and those might be your walkthroughs. And I, I'm going to I'm going to add on to that because I, I agree with you. The the agenda style lesson plan, you know, I, that's something that I, I never did. Um, and and to add but, on to but what you you're did. saying, go ahead. But but you did because at least in in the state of PA, when you are preparing for a, an observation, it is required to be of the school district approved lesson plan so that you can have your pre observation and post observation, which what I feel like only relates or only leads to a lesson that doesn't represent my daily teaching and feedback that's not actually going right. to be directed to my own learning. Right. And so, um, you know, thinking about that, you know, I think the materials, especially now, you know, being more digital, um, like you said, regardless of when you're listening to this, it's you're listening post COVID. I know that because COVID's already happened. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> well, happening, happening, but, yeah. um, you know, those materials are becoming more online. Most students have devices now. My district was not one to one K to 12, and we are right now because we had to be. Um, but at the same time, you know, if I were coaching a teacher or I were an administrator, I would agree with you that, you know, your proof of materials is going to be showing me that you do have your lesson planned out. But it's to me, it's only one component that you really need to have planned out. I don't need the deal. I don't need the, the minute by minute agenda or game plan, but I'm going to really push you to think beyond those just materials because for me, that's going to force too much focus on content consumption and not enough on everybody's role. And my questions are, are for myself were always, what is the student's role and what is my role and what is everybody doing? And my lesson plans were more of um, describing whether it was regardless of the format, it was describing what are the students doing. So sometimes my lesson plan was my my projector display because I when I was in the classroom, I only had at most 10 devices for 30 kids. So it was a projector display that I understood and my kids understood through the establishment of those routines of exactly what each one of them had to do. Um, and this was most evident in math and reading where I was doing you know, almost exclusively all small group or one-on-one -on -one instruction. And so it was, for me, it was a jigsaw for the day of what does each person have to do? And a lot of it was, you know, the same. And then there was the differentiation built in. And then it was a list of names for me. Here's my group one. Here's my group two. Here's what I'm doing with group one. And it might be a bullet. It might be a question. It might be just practice adding fractions or it might be review this Google form quiz. Um, so it was a, 
really like a mind map almost where I need, I knew what I was doing, who I was, who I was doing it with and what each student was doing. Um, and to piggyback off of that, um, you know, if, if you're planning more of a, so that was more of a individualized approach. And the other big component that was in my classroom was collaborative projects and creative projects and design and where they're, they're learning the material and then they're creating. Um, one of my best examples was they would research a specific biome. They would have specific information they had to find, and then they created uh, documentaries like they were in the biome. Um, and so my plan was pre was preparing those materials. So like you said, proof of materials was a huge part of that that plan. And then the other big part was what was my role while they're working the entire class. And it was a list of questions. It was questions that I wanted to ask them while they were working. You know, it was, um, you know, I see you have this adaptation written. What type of adaptation is that? How did you, how did you determine it was biological and not structural? Um, and so that, that was my planned approach as well. And I think that taps into, again, what I said earlier about when you're confident with the content that you're currently teaching, it gives you that opportunity. And, you know, to, to hit on what you said about those observations, that's why it's so important for a principal to be aware of who their teachers are, how they teach, where they need to be pushed and, and what you want to see. And, you know, I was very fortunate to have a principal for a while that supported that type of learning and, and really encouraged it. He would a lot of times walk into my class for formal or informal observations and ask me halfway through, what subject is this again? Because it was, it was totally learner focused. Um, hmm. And so there's all kinds of strategies that you get into to accomplish that. But, you know, I think it, what I said earlier about being on the opposite side of the spectrum of you of, of lesson planning, I think lesson planning is so important, but it's, it's thinking about your goal. What are you trying to create in your classroom? and plan for that. And it's not going to be necessarily that canned lesson plan approach. Absolutely. And I, and I think I don't want to concede and say that I agree with you completely, but I do. I, I completely agree with you. I think what I so would like to do, well, what I would like to say is hashtag cancel standardized lesson plans, <laughs> right? Like let's, Let's deviate because I, I think just like everything, confidence in curriculum, but also confidence in your teaching style is why you took this, for lack of a better term, canned uh, version, rinse, repeat curriculum that you were handed. And after repetition and understanding and growing comfort, that's when you felt like you could deviate. I think the the concern that I have is in an environment where uh, lesson plans, again, I don't think either of us, us teach in an environment that it's heavily emphasized, but I think a lot of places do. So if we can challenge those that do, I think that's the ultimate goal. But yeah, you got to empower those teachers well, to that's be supported exact to take those risks. But I think also, you know, if you're thinking, 
as an administrator, well, I, I want to know that my teachers are effectively planning. I agree with you, but talk to them about what are alternative ways to plan. What is, again, what is the goal of the lesson and what do you need to plan to accomplish that lesson? If it's small group instruction, well, you know, that, that typical lesson plan format is not going to work. Mm-hmm. Well, I just, I think that what it comes down to is you had a point where you decided to change how you teach. It wasn't day one and it probably wasn't day 181, but eventually you got to the point where you knew how you liked to teach. And so you made a curriculum work for you. And what I worry about is, are there a lot of programs that allow or a lot of uh, buildings or, or what have you that allow for teachers to teach how they want to teach? And then the follow-up to that is, do they have the confidence and the know-how to get support? Because I think administrators got into administration not to deal with angry parents or not to make tough decisions, but to train teachers. So if the one time that I get to sit down or the few times I get to sit down with my advisor and they're focused around standard post-op questions as opposed to let's have a conversation about that lesson and where we're heading, I feel like that is where we go into empowering teachers. Teachers become harder workers because you have instilled faith in them and the lesson plan becomes less of the lesson plan, but the guide of, you know what, there's nothing wrong with objectives. There's nothing wrong with having different forms of assessment. Those are all valuable. And I think on the flip side, if you don't have enough content, that's as much of an issue as having too much content and not enough diversity, but that's that balance that can only be, found through the experience of having freedom to test it. So if you're a teacher listening to this and and you're hopefully being a little bit inspired by these ideas and you work in a building where, you know, it's always been lesson plans are due, you know, Sundays or, or whatever it is, and you want to talk to your principal, you feel like your principal would be willing to listen. Um, they're open-minded. What would you say, Matt, what would your advice be for a teacher to kind of prove that they can plan effective lessons in a different format? What's going to be their approach to that conversation? Yeah, well, first off, I'd make sure you have tenure um, <laughs> and you have a good, a good relate. No, but, but honestly, I think... Um, there's some disservice from the uh, pre-service teaching field. The amount of time that I spent in college building a single lesson in an ideal environment that I'd have a one kid interrupting and I would give them the teacher eye and now that kid's no longer interrupting and I have a perfect lesson. I think that is a disservice and that is a root of why we value lesson plan so much. But I think that conversation stems around the idea of I have fully immersed myself into the curriculum that I'm teaching. 
you know, we're reading a story on national parks. I found out that we have all these national parks. Did you know that there's one this close? We have opportunities to do so much dress up and uh, virtually visit and um, research a do biographies or uh, write nonfiction or fiction stories related to it. I think when you show your enthusiasm for the possibility behind the learning, that that, as long as it represents the benefit towards kids, mm-hmm. whether it's student empowerment or this is key concepts that I can tap into, then that sells it every time because I'd much rather go to bat and say, I created an awesome opportunity for kids and feel like I can justify that. Even if, because even if my, maybe my direct supervisor doesn't agree, I bet you someone above them does. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is that, that bridge into this conversation, not to, to challenge, but to just say, Hey, this is, we got out of hand and you know what, that physical lesson plan, it kind of went crazy and I, and I wrote it up and it's there, but we didn't really, we, we took those learning opportunities and those teachable moments and we jumped on them. Right. And then, and then you reflect and you say, look at this awesome product that was created because we deviated that creates a sense of almost science fairy like this is what we did because we took those opportunities and how we would have been limited if you want at the end of the day to have 35 of the exact same projects. Yeah. And, and my, my advice would be along the same lines, um, but really focus on, on proving the product and, you know, invite, invite that administrator in to see something a little bit different um, where hopefully, you know, for me, if, if you're needing to stray away from the traditional lesson plan, um, like you said, there are key, key components in there. Objectives, you, you have to have object, you have to know what is of the course, goal of the lesson, the purpose, um, assessment yep. should be built in, whether everybody does the same one, people do different ones. You got to know where your kids are at, uh, closure, you know, there's always those key components, but there's a way to make it look and feel different. And it's, and it's most likely going to be because you're designing more of a student-centered approach to the concepts and, and to the lesson. And so invite the administrator in to see to see that. And even administrators that might be a little bit more in the the lane of the traditional expectations, there it's really hard to find an administrator that isn't going to like seeing students being more active in the learning. Because that's really what everybody wants, and everybody wants it to be best for the kids. And so, deliver that lesson, and show, and then show afterwards how you planned it. What were the things that you had to think about and design for yourself, and and just show it as a way of, you know, when I want to design lessons like this, is it okay if I don't have this format that fits our typical plan? Because this is these are the components that I need to think about. And these are the things that I need to plan for a lesson like this. And so, you know, approach it almost as, you know, um, asking them, you know, if you come in and, and you're seeing a lesson like this, or when you look at my lesson plans, is it okay if I have, you know, one day or one specific subject or whatever that looks this way? Because that's, that's how I was able to plan that lesson. 
And I, I think, <laughs> I think the answer is going to be absolutely like, please, that, that was great. Do more of it. Can you share this with your colleagues? You know, I real I truly think that's the response that you're going to get. But if you just go and say, I can't plan my lessons with the format you're giving me, can I do it this way instead? Or I want to do it a different way. Can I do it? The answer is probably going to be no. You know, um, invite them in to see it. Anytime I kind of a, along the same lines, if you're trying to convince someone that has purchasing power to buy something for you, whether it's a product, a program, or an online resource, find the, the way to use it for free, whether it's a trial or what have you, and show how it impacts learning. And then say to your, your supervisor, this is how much it costs. Is this a possibility? You know, is it something that we can explore? Um, so it's kind of along the same lines. Like you got to, you have to show the product um, before you can ask for permission. You know, my dad always told me, you're never going to get promoted for a job they think you can do. You're going to get promoted for a job you're already doing. And they're finally just going to give you recognition for it. Um, you know, I think that fits business more than education, but the point is that you need to, um, you need to show what the value of it. And then the answer is probably going to be yes. Yeah. And I think the, the beauty of education is it still is not a science and it's not an art. It's both. Mm -hmm. I think the, the beauty behind education is, yes, there's science that goes into creating standards and there's a science behind um, how that scope and sequence looks, but there's an also there that art of the performance. I feel like a performer and I feel like the best version of performance when I am not the lead character. I may be an equivalent character, ideally, like you would say, that you would barely even be a character. You would be the set designer, right? Like that's the the concept in the environment that they are taking charge. And the hardest part is that is unconventional. And and also keep in mind, I would be more of the person that figure that uh, helps the kids figure out how they can design the set. I wouldn't even yeah, be absolutely. the set designer. <laughs> But, but that in that whole concept, like how do you remove yourself as the dependent instruction source and have it to be, I don't, uh, you would be selling yourself short if we made it seem like every lesson you taught was almost an independent study. Right. That's not the right. case. It was here are the, the, the materials I've cultivated. And in that case, this is what we can participate or this is how we participate. This is how we, we place things together. Right. It's, you know, it's, it's being intentional. And those were, that was my goal for how I wanted my class to function. So if your goals are a little bit different, that's, that's completely okay. I think the message that we're trying to convey is, is be intentional with your plans to align with your goals. Um, you know, and, and I would just encourage you to really think about everybody's role. What is your role? What is the student's role? The student's role needs to be embedded into your lesson plan. And, and then what is the content's role? And if I had to rank those for me personally, it would be what's the student's role? What's my role? What's the content's role? Um, 
or maybe I would switch content of myself. I'm not sure, but it would definitely be student first. But that's that's my approach, and it's not the right approach. So you have to think about how your goals align to your plans. Well, and I and I will, I'm sure, have a friend of ours on Tommy G, um, Tom Gulick, who at, at some point, and I think one of the things that I found most fascinating was not even from him, but he has a teacher that is all project-based learning that he works with very closely, that there is no math class. There is no reading class. There is no science or social studies. There is a purpose and we utilize math skills with our science, with our social studies and with our reading and writing skills. And I think that is not for everyone, as we mentioned. It doesn't have to be for everyone, but that person has to be encouraged. Because be honest, I can follow a lesson plan that's scripted. Well, and that and that takes but, a lot of intentional lesson planning. It, a lot. And, and I mean, a ton. And, and I mean, it can't, if you're starting that way, you can't just shift back and back and forth. It is a full-fledged commitment. And if anything, you're getting the obviously with support and encouragement, the best version and the best interpretation of standards and the best end result when it's application-based and when it's real world. Right. So I think, I think through this conversation, all right, lesson plans are not the worst thing, but I hope that we look at lesson plans as what they need to be for me to go about my process. Not what they have to be. And and in my eyes, it's the reflective questions of when I put that objective in the lesson plan, did I achieve it? Uh Because I can say that I achieved it and I just handed out a worksheet that said that we were going to do multiplication today. But did I feel like at the end of it by performing the use of that skill that they understood it compared to did I follow what I was told to say and assume that they learned it, that those are two deviating situations. And the idea of an expectation of scripted programs, many are great, but do we need to stick to traditional models in my opinion? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I would say, be like I, I said a couple of minutes ago, be intentional. Really think about what are you hoping your students are able to accomplish during that lesson and be intentional with how you're planning it. Um, you know, we could spend hours talking about all of those layers of that lesson. And, you know, I think over the course of time, we'll dive into how do you assess in a lesson? You know, what is a mini lesson? Um, you know, how do you um, spark excitement or, or grab or, or start your lesson off with a hook like like um, uh, um, David Burgess talks about it and teach like a pirate. So there's there's all of those layered components in there. But, you know, w- with that experience and knowledge, you know, again, being intentional with that plan and don't look at it. I, I like what you just said. It's, um, you know, look at it something of of what you need to do to prepare, not what you have to do. Um, to check the boxes. So um, we've been getting at this for a little while now, Matt. Anything you want to close on before we we 
we take off out of here? Well, I think so. For our non-video uh, viewers, uh, Ken has a, a quote behind him. It says, plan to ask questions instead of making statements. And I think when bridging this conversation, I, uh, in any case, when I'm asking questions and providing ideas of solutions, that goes so much further than this is my stance and this is how I feel. And I think that that open mind, that open conversation, you may hear the reason or the justification. Maybe it might be school board related, or maybe it's just the way it's been. And that asking a question unlocks the door of what is the priority. Um, it's incredible how that takes uh, and changes a huge amount in the education field because we are in a people business. And especially in something that, again, I absolutely hate writing lesson plans. I feel like I put so much less detail into a lesson plan when I'm required to put a lesson plan down on paper than when I'm free flowing and saying, here are 17 different ideas of, you know what, I'm going to incorporate student choice in their assessment. And we're going to utilize this video that I know I have from Brain Pop. And we're going to pull in this meteorologist to talk about the, the real world application of these tools. That creativity, that beauty behind teaching and the development of the art and performance is what every lesson can't always be but we need to incorporate as much as possible for the benefit of kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would close it. I'll, I'll close it with an analogy. Um, when you're hopefully it's better than my uh, quarterback <laughs> one. Uh, when, when you're planning a lesson, think of yourself less of a, an engineer designing a blueprint for a house, because that's a set of, of instructions for someone to follow and think of yourself more as uh, the conductor of a symphony where you are, are thinking about what all of those different sections are going to do and how it, how it all blends together, um, for, for an experience. Um, so, so that, that's what I, that's what I would like to, uh, to close it on. So we say we get out of here, Matt, we got to wake up. I, and teach I think tomorrow, it's a right? great idea. That's right. Let's get after it. All right. Have a good night, everybody. Don't forget Matt loves lesson plans and That's wants right. you to follow the script. <laughs> we'll talk to you guys next time.